Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome. This is TV7 Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan. And unfortunately, Yair has contracted COVID, so he is not with me here physically in the studio. Nonetheless, with the grace of God, technology exists and we're able to link him up from his house at this moment. Yair, how are you feeling? Hey, Jonathan. It's great to be here. And, and really, this uh, technology gives us options to also reach people all over the world. And also now that I am... Uh, in, in quarantine, I can be with you uh, in the studio through through this uh, this big screen there, and I'm feeling good. You know, God is good. I'm feeling good. I have a little bit of a sore throat, but apart from that, I'm good. I don't have a fever, and Where's I that? don't feel weak. So I keep working from uh, from home because uh, you know we have a lot to do. Indeed. And uh, one encouraging thing that came to mind when I thought what would I share about me being sick is that I feel like there is a breakthrough always after a challenging time. And I think that the enemy doesn't like what we do in TV7. So he tries to put like sticks in our wheels and make it harder for us. So I'm taking um, this uh, sickness that I have now as, uh, as an encouraging step, as an encouraging sign that we are on the right track and that the enemy doesn't like that. But uh, God is with us, and we keep working. We keep doing the good work. Absolutely. Well, how about we open in prayer with prayer and, and invite uh, God to to join us, and then uh, we'll dive into today's program. We've had a number of questions from viewers, and uh, people are intrigued about the current situation. We appreciate very much uh, all of you at home uh, who are sending us questions. Uh, of course, it is uh, quite. Uh, a challenging period, to say the least. Sands are shifting not only in the Middle East, uh, also in areas where it's snowy and, and uh, uh, drier than than uh, or less dry than here. Um, nonetheless, uh, we are seeing very clear patterns of of uh, strategic competition uh, impacting the different scenes around the world, and as such, uh, we will. Uh, try and also use this platform, use Editor's Note particularly to answer you as much as possible, uh, of course, and God willing, even to invite you to join us uh, on the show in the future. Uh, and uh, we will look how we can do this uh, particularly. But uh, let's open with prayer. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that you are our healer. Thank you for, for you know, making me feel better every day. And I pray that you will also bless our viewers. I pray for healing for the viewers who are not feeling so, so good today. Heal them, give them encouragement, and speak to them in these times. We know that you're waiting for, for specific times to create and advance a revival in your people. And usually a revival comes after a very challenging time. So the world is filled with challenges. So we pray for your revival 
in these areas, in the challenging areas all over the world, and especially in the heart of everybody, of the people uh, back at home, you know each and every one of their challenges, and we know that you can meet them. Uh, bless this program, bless Jonathan, bless our team, keep us all uh, healthy, that we can do our, our job, and uh, be with us. Amen. 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 We received a bunch of, uh, of texts on, on YouTube, on uh, our social media of people asking about uh, specifically the Bucha, the Bucha event in Ukraine. They, they saw horrific uh, images from there and it's not clear. The Russians are blaming the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians are blaming the Russians. Maybe you can explain a little bit about this. The situations. Unfortunately, we we cannot corroborate ourselves. Um, those images, uh, the the images are horrific. Uh, regardless of who's responsible, this was an act, uh, a, a criminal act, truly murderous. Um, you know, I had a, a few conversations on this, and and regardless, uh, again, of of who perpetrated this act, whether it truly is the Russians or, uh, you know, they claim that it was staged or others uh, claim that uh, there might have been some foul play in this uh, uh, situation as part of, of the whole narrative uh, imaging. Um, you know, Israel uh, officially accepts uh, the fact or the, the version that Ukraine has published um, and has condemned specifically uh, Foreign Minister Yair Lapid was very vocal about this. He has aligned himself clearly uh, with uh, the Western narrative, the United States, Europe, um, as in the European Union and, and its member states uh, versus the, the uh, Russians uh, and the rest of government, because this government here in Jerusalem is very diverse. Uh, it's not a cohesive government. There are multiple ideologies, multiple perspectives within one government, um, which is unfortunately unnatural, but uh, they're trying to uh, walk between the drops, uh, so to speak, to try and <clears throat> continue in, in, in one way forward. We hear, you know, uh, the, the prime minister say, yes, I condemn this act, but he's not mentioning Russia. So uh, he uh, refers then to the statement by Foreign Minister Yair Lapid. Um, you know, again, I, I wasn't there on the ground. I do not have uh, the capacity to, to corroborate something like this other than saying that this was indeed a heinous act. Um, during a hearing of uh, a House hearing in the United States, Currently, even though the White House particularly has already announced sanctions against Russia over the Bucha massacre, um, and it is a massacre, regardless of who did it, it is a massacre and it is terrible. Um, the, the Pentagon is not so quickly to corroborate whether it truly were the Russians or not, uh, which is quite interesting uh, because they're, they're not usually uh, reluctant from blaming Russia. So they said uh, during a hearing, uh, the most public statement was by um, uh, Secretary Austin, Secretary of Defense of, of the United States, uh, Lloyd Austin, who said that there is an ongoing investigation to try and corroborate what truly took place. Um, so it shows that there is some sort of pragmatic um, approach from the Pentagon, from the different defense establishments. Uh, we need to understand that the majority of 
European nations, the majority of, of Middle Eastern nations and beyond, they don't rely necessarily on their own intelligence. They rely on intelligence sharing with other countries, including countries that invest heavily in intelligence on, on the Russian AOR, the area of responsibility of intelligence agencies. Uh, there is a system that uh, includes the five eyes, okay, uh, which is the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, um, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, who work together from an intelligence perspective and have the most powerful intelligence corroboration uh, mechanism, uh, which also the Mossad and other intelligence agencies tap into. But uh, everybody relies on them to be able to understand what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, so right and they now... Are not adamant about, uh, they are not so adamant about condemning Russia immediately. So that really right. Well, they're, they're condemning Russia regardless. They're, they're condemning Russia regardless, but we don't know yet what took place. Mm -hmm. Okay, so politically speaking, the rhetoric is a rhetoric of condemnations, a rhetoric of sanctions. Um, facts is a different story. So there, there are two parallel... Uh, realities in which facts are being corroborated and there is a process that cannot be expedited, especially during times of war, because there is satellite footage that needs to be analyzed. There is uh, understanding of the different capacities, um, the, the assets on the ground, which are able to corroborate certain things. Uh, so, you know, people can or governments can lie about certain things, and I'm talking about both ways, everything is possible, but uh, the intelligence agencies, they have also a, a roller of understanding, knowing how to identify truly what happened from satellite imagery that has been recorded from those areas uh, over the course of uh, the reported period. Uh, so again, it is a horrendous image to, to behold. Um, I encourage people not to look at those images all the time. You know, I, I spoke with uh, a friend and, and his wife about the situation in Ukraine, and they're so tapped into all those images. And I tell them, you know, for people who've been to war, we are in a situation where we try to erase those images from our mind for many years. Uh, and we deal with those in, in a very a uh, specific way. We've been hardened by those um, images that go with us to, to our grave at some point. But um, so many people from, from civic society, from, uh, you know, civilians from all over the world suddenly tap into those horrendous images and they don't know how to deal with this. They don't have this uh, backing that we received in order to contend with the realities on the ground, uh, and we yeah, won't go good, into that. It's not good for the mind. For, no, no, it, it's not healthy. Stuff, indeed. And also children tap into those things. And, you know, it's it's impactful in, in such a negative way. Um, yes. So I, I encourage you, don't tap into all those images. I know that sometimes um, curiosity is, is uh, something that drives many people, especially in the era of those phones that everybody are stuck on their phones all day. Uh, you know, it, it's not healthy. Uh, so I'll keep it at that. Yeah, I think that uh, just to summarize this uh, this point, we should always remember, remember something that uh, 
that you keep uh, reminding us, Jonathan, is that the first casualty of war is truth. So we get all these images, all this information, and we don't know what is truthful and what is not. And we really need to pray that God will lead us uh, how to pray correctly for the situation and trust in him. I'll tell you a short and, uh, story, uh, actually, mm-hmm. to, to give an insight to, to our, our viewers at home. Um, I remember we were on, uh, during my military time, we were on a mission. We, we went, we executed it, and we came back. Um, and then it was during uh, a football uh, the, uh, or soccer in American English, football in, in English, English, um, the, the Mondial, the, the World Cup. And uh, after our missions, if we had time, we had a, a small room with a television where we all ran and sat down and uh, tried to watch as much as possible of the games uh, in between our missions, which sometimes take 16 hours, sometimes 20 hours. It really varies uh, from mission to mission. But we got back, and then in between there was a report, the uh, reportage of, of the news, and they were speaking about the incident that we were the soldiers who dealt with that mission. Uh, and the whole story was completely different from what happened on the ground. Uh, and it, it was so different from reality, uh, which triggered something in me. And I still remember that, and I take that scenarios with me for many, many years uh, in which uh, it it quite clearly indicates that not everything that happens on the ground is translated onto the screen. And in most cases, this is just one of many, yes, but in most cases, uh, the whole picture is not provided on the screen. Of of course, it is also to protect military methodological uh, uh, operational uh, uh, proceedings and and various aspects like that. So take everything with a uh, a grain of salt. Pray for the situation. Yeah. And this is only one example. I I also have examples that I will not share now because we're running out of time. But uh, just to share with the viewers that this example that you shared about the misinformation presented by the media is one of the reasons that we started Truth for the Nations in order to share accurate truths of what's going on in Israel with our viewers so that they can pray into actual uh, events that happened in the land and also share you know, other biblical uh, stuff and teachings from Israel. Amen. Amen. So, by the way, also the media itself is manipulated. It is uh, from what happens on the ground being um, filtered towards the media. What the media is able to catch is always filtered. They're not able to see the whole picture. So if they don't have uh, the necessary experience or the necessary sources behind the scenes to corroborate their stories and know how to corroborate those stories and how uh, from their experience they can assess uh, the, the variables at hand, um, in most cases, journalists, okay, and, and this might sound quite critical towards journalists because uh, 
most of them have no clue about what are the the proceedings of military affairs, what are the proceedings of political affairs. Um, theoretical studies are not enough. You need to understand the practical aspects behind the scenes for something like that. Um, and beyond that, uh, also, unfortunately, we see a trend with regard to uh, to viewers, they would much rather listen to a articulate, um, sensationalist journalist, okay, who hypes up every situation and tries to pull it in all kind of directions, rather than uh, going to a, an interview one on one with a general or a practitioner or somebody who was actually part of the operation, because. It is a lot more convenient to listen to somebody who sums something up, even though 50 or, or even 60 percent, uh, more than 50 percent of, of what he says is just inaccurate. You know, so we see this trend also. It's, it's not just the media. It is also what the viewers at home are willing to consume. And this translates into a, a convenient reality for the media to try and then project whatever they want to project and they, they tell the story in accordance with what the viewers want to consume rather than just telling them what is happening. So there is also this aspect that is uh, quite challenging today. Yes, definitely. And uh, we hope to do our, our part in correcting this, this challenging uh, aspect. But um, as, I, as I walk in Jerusalem in these past, uh, past few weeks, I see more and more policemen, more and more uh, officers, and uh, it's it's because that's what they, they keep telling us. It's because of the month of Ramadan. Okay, so the month of Ramadan is a cause of uh, of tension, of security concerns. Could you please share with our viewers why is that, and why is this month causing this all this tension in in Israel and Jerusalem? The conflict. Um which everybody refers to, you know, some call it the Palestinian-Israel conflict, others call it the Arab-Israel conflict. Of course, sands are shifting. Now we see uh, the, excuse me, the dynamic of, of partnerships and alliances being forged in the open, which uh, shows that reality is changing. Uh, uh, some of the things that we see on the ground are quite staggering. Nonetheless, one, one point that we need to understand, that the conflict um, is rooted on the basis of control over Jerusalem. The rest doesn't matter. And uh, this is uh, stated by uh, all the various Islamist groups um, all over the region, also uh, when we're talking about uh, the governments and the states and uh, the monarchies that have relations with Israel, when we're speaking about Jerusalem, suddenly it's a red line. Um, when a government minister, such as Yair Lapid, for instance, we just saw him last week travel to a drive to, to the Damascus Gate, the flashpoint where the clashes occur every evening. And actually, uh, every evening I go from a distance, I, I see exactly what's happening there. I'm with my binoculars. Sometimes I even approach the area uh, to get a sense of, of the situation on the ground. Um, and I speak to the people on the ground. It is about the fact that 
they regard Jerusalem as a Muslim city. And it doesn't matter what uh, anybody may tell them. This is a battle over Jerusalem, over Haram al-Sharif, uh, which we refer to as the Temple Mount, um, and Al-Aqsa Mosque, which Al-Aqsa Mosque was actually built on the foundation of the biblical temples, you know, that uh, were built by uh, uh, Solomon and, and later Herod. So what we yeah, really so, see. So let me let me just understand. So you say it's a it's a spiritual war over over these religious religious uh, locations in Jerusalem, and during this month it's like a, a very religious month, right? They 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 fast, the Muslims, and they pray. So it's very strong religiously, correct? So. Uh, Anything in the physical has also a spiritual dimension to it. When we're talking about Jerusalem, this is significant to the, the core. Like uh, Mecca and Medina, also the, the Muslim sites in Saudi Arabia, um, are under contention between Shiites and Sunnah. So uh, within the, the Islamic world, there is an ongoing battle over various religious um, um, points Jerusalem is a point of contention between the three monotheistic religions, uh, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, and ultimately, when we're looking at the situation, when everybody speaks about a status quo, okay, maintaining the status quo, why is it so important to maintain the status quo? Because they say that if you don't maintain the status quo, there's going to erupt an entire war. What is the status quo? Status quo is Latin for status quo antabellum, okay? Which means the way it was before the war. Which war? This, uh, the 67 war, when Israel took over the land and uh, reclaimed Jerusalem after so many years, okay? Um, so when we're looking at the current status quo, it basically says things should remain the way they were before the war of 67, where only Muslims were allowed to worship and Christians and Jews were only allowed to visit as tourists because yeah. the ones who controlled it... That doesn't it, sound so fair. Um, there is no freedom of religion uh, in, in the holy places, uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, regardless of what people say, they can package it in whatever construct they want there is no religious freedom um ironically speaking when uh the in in 1087 the year 1087 the the famous salahuddin okay who, who ultimately conquered jerusalem even though his his generals uh, dissuaded him from doing so fearing that it won't be a successful venture um he actually was the one who invited Jews. He sent his emissaries to uh, Ashkelon and, and different cities back then and invited the Jews to return to the city after the, the crusaders who, who were, to say the least, less lenient to anyone uh, not being uh, from within uh, Christendom at that time, uh, the kingdom of Jerusalem. So he invited them to come to Jerusalem, and uh, that was the moment where 
the unique relationship between Jews and Kurds was forged because okay. Salahuddin was Kurdish. Okay, the people of Salahuddin are the Kurdish people uh, currently living in Syria, in, in uh, northern Iraq, all those areas. Those are people who were part of those armies. That's why everybody is afraid of them because they are not, uh, or the, the states are afraid of them because we're talking about 32, between 32 to 35 million Kurds who have significant power, have a very rich history and are, cap are capable of very much, but uh, the different countries in the regions are, of course, wary that if they direct their attention to a certain um, point, it, it may escalate uh, quite significantly. Yeah. But going back to Jerusalem, um, the current escalation that is happening, and, and I'll keep this as short as possible, um, happened after the negative form. Okay, the negative form where we saw uh, the Israeli foreign minister host Secretary of State Antony Blinken and the foreign ministers of the UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Egypt was a signal to Iran. Okay, this was a signal to Iran and an attempt to align uh, differences, to, to narrow the gaps between the parties about how to confront the Iranian uh, problem. Consequently, we see that the wave of violence, even though the two first attacks were perpetrated, so-called, by um, supporters of the Islamic State, all the other attacks and all the attempted efforts to escalate tensions in Jerusalem were driven by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is an Iranian proxy. Okay, so Iran is trying to fuel tensions in the city, to fuel instability in order to distract Israel from dealing with the Iranian question. So we see there is a clear correlation between the two topics. Uh, we're seeing many developments pertaining to this specifically. Uh, there are various assessments about the situation possibly also escalating. I do not think it will escalate necessarily from the Gaza Strip. Um, we heard specific reports, which I corroborated personally, with regard to the fact that Palestinian Islamic Jihad wanted to fire towards Israel uh, after five of its operatives were uh, successfully uh, uh, neutralized. Okay, they were killed in different operations. And uh, Hamas actually stopped them. They said, no, we, we're currently in a situation where we haven't rebuilt our power to contend with an Israeli offensive. So they're still building their power. They're, they're licking the wounds, so to speak, uh, from the last war in Gaza. Hamas has stopped Palestinian Islamic Jihad from firing towards Israel, uh, which indicates that not... Iran and Hamas don't have agreement about everything. Iran controls Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It doesn't control all the Sunni Muslim organizations. Hamas, of course, is much more connected with the Muslim Brotherhood and is influenced by Qatar and Turkey. Um, with that, yeah. we're running out of time, uh, Yair, so I'll have to say thank you for tapping in. Even though you have caught COVID, we will keep praying for you, of course, uh, for a speedy recovery and for uh, more of our viewers who uh, contracted COVID also and other diseases. Um, we are praying for you. When you ask for prayers in the comment boxes, we do so. Uh, and unfortunately, we can't react to every message, to every comment, but uh, I try to read everything you write. Um, but yeah, God bless. 
Take care. Thank you, Jonathan. Indeed, and I'd like also to thank our viewers at home. God bless you, and we will see you next week for another episode of Editor's Note. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.